Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Whores Talk Horror. Not whores on horror, as some <laughs> people have been referring to this podcast. Um, oh my God. Not, not as like, you know, being rude or anything. They just, for some reason, think the podcast is called Whores on Horror. Or other things. I have heard, I've heard it all. Yeah. But, wow. Uh, whores on horror kind of sounds like a tag team porno. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to name the organization, but I used to work for an organization that produced videos that might have been titled that at some point. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. <laughs> and I'm Melinda. Uh, and this is our September Tidbits of Terror episode. Rock out with your bad self, Spencer. Tidbits of terror, terror, tidbits, tidbits of terror, terror, tidbits, As always, hat tip to actress and current Guinness Book of World Records holder for longest time to hula hoop underwater, Carrie Weeder, for our Tidbits theme song. This month, I'm getting literary on all y'all's asses because I'm talking all about some scary shit that I've been reading, specifically by two genre legends that are at least new to me. And since it is officially spooky season as of September 1st, yeah, I'm <clears throat> maybe just, August 15th or, you know, January 1st or uh, <laughs> December 25th. <laughs> um, but I'm going to discuss some things to watch during the spooky season and also something so horrifying you may never want to eat meat again. Oh, boy. Let's begin, shall we? We shall. All right. So it's no secret that Mindy and I are huge Mike Flanagan fans and also fans of his talented and lovely wife, Kate Siegel, who has starred in most of his films and TV series such as Hush and The Haunting of Hill House. It was announced back in March of 2021 that she was going to be starring in a new Netflix film titled Hypnotic. Well, Bloody Disgusting just posted an article that has the first photos from the film. Kate will play a young woman named Jen who is seeking self-improvement and enlists the help of a renowned hypnotherapist. Mm. But after a handful of intense sessions, she discovers unexpected and deadly consequences. Never can trust a hypnotherapist. I would not ever do that. Ever. For real. I'm kind of curious, though, if I could be hypnotized. I totally am, but I i don't want to have somebody plant some suggestion in my brain subconsciously. Not cool. We've all seen Stir of Echoes. Right. Um, and Office Space. <laughs> and, and Office Space. <laughs> Although that had pretty good consequences. Um, let's see. Jason O'Mara and Dulé Hill co-star in the film. As far as I know, Mike Flanagan has nothing to do with this film and is not involved with it in any way, except he might be watching with us <laughs> when it premieres on Netflix on October 27th, just in time for Halloween. We will include a link in our show notes if you want to check out the pics from Hypnotic yourself. And from the pics, all I can really say is that the film looks like it's going to be kind of a sleek thriller. There's some beautiful looking sets. It all has a very 
modern minimalist feel to it. Not exactly my style, but very chic nonetheless. Um, and yeah, it doesn't really look like the type of place I would be comfortable in seeing <laughs> a therapist or hypnotherapist or, you know, any any of that. Um, but yes, uh, be- beautiful set design. And that's like red flag number one. Like you walk into a therapist office and you need help and you're going, I don't even feel cozy in this office. Yeah, get the fuck out of that office. (laughs) Uh, Mike Flanagan's going to be like, he's like letting the wife go off and earn a paycheck for once. And he's going to stay home and put his feet up and watch football probably. Um, Probably not. He's got like 10 other films he's probably writing. I was going to say he's journaling ideas furiously. Whatever. He never sleeps. I'm totally going to check this out regardless because you know me, Sharon. I have no shame in what I watch. Well, sometimes, but for the most part. Plus, Kate rules, so I'll watch it for her. But thankfully, we've got Midnight Mass to look forward to starting September 24th. I can't wait. Yes, lots to look forward to from that couple. So... Thank God for Netflix. Right? I know. All right, Mindy, tell us what you've been reading. I I need to put some things on my list because I'm still not finished with um, Bill Bryson's The Body, A Guide for Inhabitants. I've been reading it for like six months now and just hardly have time to read. Um, But yeah, I might need to pull out a scary book for spooky season. Well, I might have some suggestions for you. If we had better funding, um, I'd want Spencer to like right now. This is would be like we'd hear do 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 like Mindy's book corner. But we don't want to get sued by PBS, so just we'll make something up. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I'm going to be talking about literature, scary books, bitches. It's September. Falls in the air. So are allergens, unfortunately, but doesn't matter. It's time to curl up with maybe a pumpkin ale like Sharon likes to do and get lost in the world of existential dread and terror that I've been living in since discovering some fairly well-known names in the horror genre literary business of scary shit lit. Scary shit lit is a new phrase that I am coining for that genre. You've heard it here. No one steal it. I like it. Thank you. I do, too. Um, Now, Sharon and I always say that we don't claim to know everything about horror, uh, and that includes all forms of media. So for those of you who are super familiar with modern horror fiction, the names I'll be mentioning are probably not new to you, but we're all learning here and we aim to educate the masses. So first off, um, I've recently discovered and Sharon, I would recommend you pick up some of this this woman's uh, work. Um, Ellen Datlow is a legendary horror editor and curator of short fiction, uh, specifically known for her annual Best Horror of the Year anthologies, which are badass, as well as the equally badass uh, anthology collections Echoes, Inferno, and Fearful Symmetries, all of which I have downloaded both to the Kindle app on my phone and iPad for easy access no matter where I am because they're that fucking good. Um, Her collections always feature like literally the best and most terrifying in the horror fiction business. And in fact, she has a new anthology coming out at the end of this month that I uh, 
pre-ordered while I also pre-ordered One Day Smarter by Emily Winter, which, oh my God, Emily, if you're listening to this, thank you so much because the timing of your book could not be better right now. It's going to live on my nightstand all fall and winter, so I have something to chase away all the scaries that are creeping into my brain (laughs) from reading all this shit. Um, But Ellen Datlow... I can't recommend her enough, and I'm especially psyched about her new collection of stories. Uh, I think September 28th is the release date. This anthology is called, you ready? Yes. When Things Get Dark, stories inspired by Shirley Jackson. Woohoo! All right. So before I read Ellen Datlow... I need to read Shirley Jackson because I have not <gasps> read any Shirley Jackson ever. I know. Shut up. Put your tongue no. back in your mouth. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I just literally got excited because I was like, I have certain anthologies. I, I know how to start you off. I f- okay. Yes, yes. I, I'm going to go. <laughs> I know who to go for, for all my Shirley Jackson um, recommendations. So yes, start me in the right direction and I will start there. But I feel like I need to start with her before I can move on to the next generation of horror authors. I like to hear you say that, Sharon. Thank you. That does my heart good. But you're a well-read person. You know, you got to start with the basics and then go from there. I like it. Obviously, I've not read this new anthology, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to suck. And it's going to feature, just to give a taste, like some of the best modern horror writers, including Joyce Carol Oates, Paul Tremblay, and Stephen Graham Jones, who I will admit his work I have not read, but he's clearly enjoyed by many. So uh, if you're interested, look for that this fall. But um, Ellen Datlow, she's where it's at if you want to read some scary, well-written literature. So check her out. But Sharon, yes, we will talk. Awesome. I'm excited. All right. Well, if you're not a big reader, in binging television is more your thing. I want to talk about a new show that I've been watching that was, I think, pretty much made for me and also Mindy. It involves... Uh, yes, have you started this show? No, but I just wanted to say really quick, I do apologize for not telling you about this. I thought, I honestly thought you knew about this show. I didn't. I had seen ads for this, so I'm so sorry that I didn't mention it. I don't watch ads. I don't watch trailers. I don't watch any of that stuff. So I see like if people recommend stuff on Instagram, I'll bookmark it so I can go back and look through and find shows and movies to watch. Otherwise, yeah, usually if I put on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime or something like that, it'll come up with a list of recommendations. Mm -hmm. Well, I put on Hulu and Mm -hmm. this was, you know, the first thing that popped up. as a recommendation um, for me to watch. Um, And that's because it involves some of my favorite interests, uh, (laughs) murder, true crime, podcasting, and comedy. And I just want to clarify, I'm not interested in murder per se, (laughs) like as a hobby or career, or nor do I encourage others to do it, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We do. Anyone who's listening to this show, anyone who's, you know, heard us talk before, they know what I mean. Yeah. Um, But yes, it's on Hulu and it's titled Only Murders in the Building, which stars Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. The show is set in New York City and the basic plot is three Upper West Side neighbors, Charles, played by Steve Martin, Oliver, played by Martin Short, and Mabel, played by Selena Gomez, 
They bond over a shared love of true crime, and when a fellow resident mysteriously dies in their building, the trio are determined to solve the mystery and also record an accompanying true crime podcast about them solving the mystery. I almost Um, just like fainted from all of that. That's just wonderful. (laughs) It's so wonderful. Um, Whoever created this, like, (laughs) bravo. I've only watched the first four episodes as of this recording. There's going to be 10 episodes total. But so far, I love this show. And already, I'm sad that it's going to end. Um, It's (laughs) funny. The plot is very interesting. Besides the main mystery surrounding the death in their building, the three main characters also have their own little secrets as well. Which you like slowly, uh, you know, learn a little bit about each of them throughout the show. Um, it's just, it's a great whodunit. You're trying to figure out all the little mysteries surrounding the characters and also, you know, the big mystery and how it all ties together. It has heart. I'm super invested in all the characters and actually care about them, which is very important. Yeah. Um, the dynamics between the three main stars is so great whoever decided to cast them i mean it's just perfect 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 and i know like steve martin and martin short they've worked together on tons of stuff ever since you know snl probably even before that um but to add selena gomez to the mix is like perfection and i've always loved martin short and steve martin but i had no idea that i love selena gomez until now excellent uh, the final episode comes out on October 19th, and I highly, highly recommend watching the show if you need a laugh or you just want something a little bit lighter than a horror film or a true crime documentary. Um, and, you know, we're watching it each week, which is not something we've done in a while. Usually we <laughs> just binge watch shows. I hate that. I hate it, but also it gives me something to look forward to each week, which is nice. Um and I found an article by The Wrap in which co-creator of the show, John Hoffman, talks about his personal true crime story that actually inspired the show. Ooh. He says, quote, in crafting this story, there's a personal connection I have to a mystery like this. And it just so happened that in tragic form, a year before I started writing the show, a friend of mine was found dead on his floor with someone else, and it was deemed a murder-suicide. And with my friend being the one who had committed suicide and committed murder. I couldn't fathom that all based on the person I knew, but I hadn't spoken to him in over 20 years and he was very dear to me when I was growing up. So I went on a mission to find out what the hell has happened here. And my gut told me that is impossible. And I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to give any spoilers cool. um, about the show. Um, but if you want to read the entire article, the link will be in our show notes. And I also have a request for our listeners. If you have any murder mystery movies or TV shows that you can recommend, because this is one of my favorite genres. And now that I'm watching this, now I feel like I'm on a kick and I just want to keep going. Um, I would please. also like to say, don't assume that we or Sharon has even seen something, even though if it's like a big name or something, likely we may have missed it. Yeah. This is true. This is true. Um, Yeah. So any recommendations you have for murder mystery movies, television shows, they can be 
old, they could be new, anywhere in between, I don't care. Um, but please send them our way. You can email us at whorestalkhorror at gmail.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram because I check Instagram more than I check anything else. We'll get it on Twitter too. Maybe yeah. we should also grab the uh, the email uh, whoresonhorror at gmail.com just in case. I was going to say just to have it so that nobody else can like get it and try and get pervy or something. We already get enough porn spam mail. We don't need any more. So no. We're good. Horrors talk horror, please. <laughs> Sharon, I already have. Have you ever seen Presumed Innocent with Harrison Ford? Yes. Fuck. Yes. Okay. I thought you I, had, but I had to It's ask. a great movie, though. It and is. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Not appropriate for children, but. <laughs> no, um, no, no. It wasn't for me either, but it's same. Like, totally my mom deserves loved it. a yeah. rewatch, though. And I had a big crush on Harrison Ford in uh, like junior high and high school. I went through a, a period where I watched all of his movies over again. So that's hmm. that's actually probably the last time I've seen that movie was like junior high or early high school. Well, if anyone else has not seen that movie, I'm not going to say anything about it because you have to go in cold. But it is a really great murder mystery. And also his um, the film he did with Michelle Pfeiffer, What uh, Lies Beneath. Oh, right. That's another great murder mystery with him. Um, I read that. Yeah, book it is him, too. right? I think so. I read that book actually, and then Spencer Media, thought- look it up. Yeah, I think that's the one that Dave McRae mentioned. Yes, he did. Yeah. when we did our interview on his show. Um, I'm like 99.9 percent sure it's Harrison Ford and not someone else equally as charming and handsome. <laughs> I, re- I don't remember who wrote was it Stephen King it wasn't Stephen King who wrote that book but somebody I, I read the book so and then I remember seeing the movie and being like damn that was good I'm gonna be honest I didn't even know it was a book until you just said it was so oh my, again I grew up with a true crime mom so <laughs> she had all the Agatha Christie's and yeah it's Harrison Ford yeah it is Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford okay okay great well, that's another one. And if for any of you out there who also like great murder mysteries and maybe have mispresumed innocent or what lies beneath, there you go. You're welcome. Thumbs up <laughs> for right. me and Sharon. <laughs> and Spencer. And Spencer. All right. Mindy, more books. More books. Um, it is high fucking time that we talk about Nathan Ballingrude on this podcast. Um, he's considered one of the best ho- modern horror writers period, full stop. And Ballingrude's name might ring a bell um, if any of you watched the Hulu original series Monsterland as his most famous collection of short stories called North American Lake Monsters was actually the basis for that show. Um, Just to give you an idea of how talented this guy is, Lake Monsters was Ballingrude's debut book or collection of, he's a short story writer, so anthology. It was published in 2013, and that year it won the Shirley Jackson Award. Like, so right out of the gate, he like debuted with this book, and they were like, You're a horror genius. This dude does not play when it comes to creepy. This summer, I have finally had time to start digging through some of his work, and currently I'm finishing up the 2019 anthology that's with a delightful title that's called Wounds, Six Stories from the Border of Hell, which is literally nothing I ever could have expected, ever. Um, I, I don't really even know, this was hard to write, but Ballingrude's work is like, 
it's quietly terrifying. He he on a technical level, he is a straight up excellent storyteller. His stories are immediately engrossing, but then go from like zero to fucked up before you even realize that you're already in too deep and it's too late. Uh, Ballingrude's horror is the kind of underlying existential terror. The lying awake, staring at the ceiling all night, questioning your reality kind of horror that gets under your skin and stays there long after you read the final page. For example... Let's talk about his short story, The Visible Filth, which is the penultimate story in Wounds. The basic premise, disturbing and weird ass shit starts happening to a bartender in New Orleans after he picks up a phone left behind at his bar. That's that. Sounds promising, right? Kind of mysterious as potential. I was in. And then I read it. And when I finished the story last week, my initial reaction literally was like manic hysterical laughter. The ending was such an incredible mindfuck. My brain was so toasted and I literally didn't even know how to process what I just read, let alone how I was going to get to sleep that night because of course I was reading this before bed. Um, But that certainly didn't stop me from watching the movie adaptation just three days ago because I couldn't resist, nor could I stop thinking about the story. So my mental health is doing great this week, you guys. (laughs) Um, So the movie, I'm just going to touch on briefly, it's actually also a Hulu original from 2019. And not to be too confusing, the movie adaptation is called Wounds, just like the anthology uh, it's directed by Babak Anvari, who also wrote the screenplay. Uh, despite getting panned by critics and audiences like they fucking hated it, I quite liked it and thought it's probably actually one of the best horror book-to-film adaptations I've seen in a while. Dr. Sleep and Flanagan aside, of course. And this might shock you, but I'd even go as far as to say that it's on par with my favorite Robert Wise movie from 1963, which is still the very best film adaptation of a novel ever. It's a fact. Um, But it was that impressive. On a technical level, Wounds is fantastically creepy. I would recommend watching with headphones if you can, because the sound design, woof. But it's so faithful to the source material It's almost to a fault, actually. Audiences mostly found the film confusing, boring, or just, what the fuck just happened? And had I not read the book, I probably would have agreed. Um, But the movie scared the shit out of me. So I just wanted to mention it and recommend it if, in case anyone's curious. Just know that if you watch it without reading the story first, you might be totally lost. Um, I'd also just like to suggest that folks check out the cast list prior to watching. That's all I'm going to say about that, but I'd feel irresponsible saying I'd recommend this movie without that caveat. It's definitely not for everyone, uh, but I do absolutely recommend reading Balagrude's story over the movie any day. I just wanted to mention the movie, though, because Babak and Vari, uh, he looks like he's a promising horror director and his excellent 2016 film Under the Shadow, which I think you can watch on Netflix. It's it's utterly fantastic. It's about a mother and a daughter in post-revolution Tehran in the 1980s, struggling to deal with a war-ravaged city while a mysterious evil begins to haunt their home, and it's fucking good. 
Anyway, back to Nathan Ballingrud. Um, if anyone's interested, he's actually featured in a number of Ellen Datlow's anthologies, many of which exist in digital form at super crazy affordable prices. So maybe, you know, think about checking them both out at once. Two birds, one stone, you know. Of course, links will be in the show notes. Um, but I do recommend also checking out NathanBalangrude.com, especially if you're looking to buy his books. Balangrude has links on his site to resources that help you find and buy his stuff from local bookstores in your area. And for super fans, they can order signed copies of his work online from a bookstore called Malaprops, which is actually Ballingrude's favorite local bookstore in his neighborhood and like they have a hookup where he will check in with them and like come in and personalize shit and they'll send it out to you which I think is awesome so do yourself a favor this fall and check out some good scary shit lit trademark copyright (laughs) um (laughs) Also, just just saying, I noticed that North American Lake Monsters was cheaper on Malaprop's site than it is on Amazon, so you can enjoy the very best horror fiction out there while supporting your local bookstores and still have some cash to pay for the decades of therapy I know I'm going to need after deep diving into the visible filth this week. Having said that, I regret nothing, and I don't think you will either, so please check it out. As long as we're talking about scary shitlet, yeah, I'm gonna recommend my favorite horror novel of all time, which is Ghost Story by <gasps> Peter Straub, which is from 1979, and there is also a film that came out in 1981, <laughs> starring uh, Fred Astaire and <laughs> Alice Krieg. Um, yeah. I honestly, I kind of want to do a rewatch of that film because I remember absolutely hating it because the book is so, so good. And it's um, it's a pretty long book and it's really, really oh. hard to just, you know, capture everything the book had in uh, less than two hours. But um, yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people actually really like the movie Ghost Story. And I'm wondering if those people read the book yeah Um, but I I might do a rewatch but oh my god ghost stories is absolutely terrifying to the point where it literally made me jump almost a foot in the air while I was sitting in bed reading it one night um, because I heard a like a a noise outside my window this was back in high school Um, but it's, it's so damn good Sharon it's so funny that you had mentioned that I promise you guys we did not talk about this before recording I have a confession to make to you. So, so don't tell me you never read the book. (laughs) No, no, no. Because actually you, you, I read it when we were, I think in like junior high or maybe high school because of you. No, Um, it was high school because I didn't read it until high school. Okay. Um, And I bought the book back then and I still have it. Actually, I, I have this memory of us trying to watch the movie and then being like really pissed off because we were expecting the book and it's definitely not the book (laughs) but um I two Halloweens ago I think found my copy started rereading ghost story and I never finished it because I got halfway through and got so fucking scared again as an adult that I put it down and then never got back to it I got like halfway (laughs) through it and there's I won't say for spoilers which scene but it involves a boy running into a house and then running out 
and some scary shit he encounters. And it's a scene that I remember us talking about and being scared when we were younger. And it still scared the shit out of me as an adult. So I'm going to try and make it through Ghost Story this Halloween. But yeah, dudes, that book is still fucking terrifying as hell. It's true. Love it. All right. Well, on to um, more... Actually, this is not Netflix news. This is Shudder news. Um, So Shudder's 61 Days of Halloween started on September 1st. And it was also announced that as part of that 61 days, Joe Bob's Halloween Hoedown will be premiering live on October 8th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. No one knows what movies he'll be watching or who his special guest may be if he has any. Um, All he tweeted was, quote, We're back on October 8th with some serial killer mayhem and some Halloween experts to tell us how to carve, end quote. But if you have any ideas of what movies that they may be showing on Joe Bob's Halloween hoedown, you can write to us at horsetalkhorror at gmail.com. You can also DM us on Instagram or Twitter and let us know what movies you think they're going to be or what you hope they're going to be. I'm going to be home that night. I'm going to have some pumpkin beer (laughs) and some popcorn, and I will be watching along with all of you. And for the record, I'm going to say my guess right now is House of a Thousand Corpses, Hmm. a.k.a. my um, bedtime story that I watch (laughs) as a comfort film. Um, As one does. (laughs) (laughs) As most normal people, you know, watch when they go to bed. House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with that and Devil's Rejects as the double feature because mm. and only because, well, one, I don't he hasn't done either of those movies on his show before that oh. I can remember. Wow. Um, but also there's a line from House of a Thousand Corpses where Chris Hardwick says, I thought we'd taken a hoedown. So that would be awesome if that's what it is, because like that would be a really intricate clue. Like, if that's true, that's awesome that you would catch that. I mean, also, it has, well, it's because I watched it, like, I know. hundreds of times while going to bed. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, there there might be no relationship between the title, Joe Bob's Halloween Hoedown, and the movies. But, you know, I mean, it's it's a good title. Would you would you call those movies serial killer mayhem? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, that's. The other reason, too, they are serial killers and those a movies. A lot of mayhem. There's a lot of mayhem mm-hmm. in those movies. And I think it would be great. And also, you know, you have to drum up some publicity for Rob Zombie, who's working <gasps> furiously trying to make the new Monsters movie, which, oh, my God, I love all of his posts. I mean, like he's rebuilding the house and he's posted previews of the costumes and what they're going to look like and everything. I mean, it looks amazing. I'm so excited. So he's he's going film. he's going full Flanagan is what you're saying for uh... <laughs> he is. Yes, he's putting blood, sweat and tears into the Monsters movie. Wow. And it's it's I have a feeling it's going to be a masterpiece. Um, but yeah, those are good points, Sharon. Actually, I didn't even think about that, that he is. That, yeah, it could have been a promotional work. I don't know. I literally have no idea, but I like that idea. Um, And I would totally be down for a Firefly family double feature. It's been a minute since I saw either of those films. And while, of course, I'm not the the Rob Zombie fan that, like, Sharon is, I know I've said 
more than a thousand times how <laughs> I think that a house of a thousand corpses is its own work of twisted genius, like full stop. So, hey, if even if Joe Bob doesn't do it, if you ever want to do a double feature of those films, Sharon, I'd be in for that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I would love to do a Rob Zombie episode where we talk about all of his films because I love him so much. I think we just might have thought of a new episode idea. All right. Well, yeah, we can we can start working on that. Um. <laughs> all right. So make me want to stop eating meat, Sharon. Oh, well, if you just scroll down a little bit and see the picture I posted, you might actually that might be enough. Um, I don't know that I want to. <laughs> I'll let you tell me. I'm going to go with the story. All right. Well, finally, we are going to end with a different kind of horror story, a story that I found on Twitter. This comes from the U.S. Sun, even though the story actually takes place in England. So Simon Robinson, 27, got a nasty surprise after he popped into his local McDonald's for a meaty breakfast treat earlier this week. He walked back to his car and unwrapped the bacon roll he ordered to have a bite before his drive home. Simon quickly checked to see how many slices of bacon were in the roll, only to find what he claimed to be a pig's nipple on one of the pieces of bacon. Oh, my God. Yes, I will be posting pictures on our social media. And fair warning, it's gross as fuck, you guys. Oh, my God. I looked. Oh, my God. I would scream. I'd be like, is that an alien? What the fuck is that? Also, I don't eat at McDonald's, but still, if I did, I'd still scream (laughs) and probably throw up family guy style. (laughs) A shocked Simon drove back home to show his mom what he had found before (laughs) taking pictures and complaining to the fast food chain's head office. Simon from Proto Gateshead, Proto Gateshead, uh, I know I probably mispronounced that. My apologies. It is a town near Newcastle, England, said to open it up and find that was revolting. It has put me off meat entirely, so much so I'm considering going vegan now. Simon said he regularly picks up bacon rolls from McDonald's as a cheeky treat, and he always opens it up to check inside as he has OCD. Uh, He probably has never expected to find a nipple staring at him. <laughs> I would just like to say I've had my hand over my mouth, like trying not to vomit as you read that last part, because like everything else aside, the idea of a bacon roll from McDonald's sounds gross to me just alone. Um, and I'm not a vegan, um, but oh my God, I have to scroll past this picture share and this is so gross. Anyway, tell yeah, us the rest I've- of it. I've basically been vegan or vegetarian since I was 14 years old, except for a short time in my 20s when I went back to eating meat. And I've currently been vegan for the last nine years. So seeing this story really just solidifies my beliefs that I've made the right decision. (laughs) Um, Yeah, if this story does make you want to stop eating meat (laughs) or less meat and you want advice on how to go vegan or vegetarian or you know, incorporate more plant-based meals into your your life, you can totally contact me for advice. I've helped several friends and family members go vegan or at least, you know, learn how to make healthier choices like not eating pig's nipples. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, this, this story is, um, it's just too much. It's really gross. But I, I have to also say I used to work at a restaurant famous for, 
orange shorts and chicken wings. Um, <laughs> and every once in a while, there would be feathers in the wings and someone <gasps> would call me over to the table and complain. And I'm like, you're eating a dead chicken. Like, what <laughs> do you expect? Like, of course, there's going to be feathers. You're eating an animal like this. You know, there's also bones and veins and a lot of other gross things. But no, you're concerned about the feather. So I would just like pull the feather off and be like, there. (laughs) Fixed it. (laughs) Fixed it. Just to play devil's advocate, it might have been more about the fact that maybe the chicken wasn't cooked enough that there would still be a feather on there. That would be more my concern. But I totally get your point. I totally get your point. The feathers should be removed during the slaughtering process but we don't pluck the feathers off at the restaurant mindy i mean those things come to us frozen and we throw them in a fryer i mean i didn't i was a bartender uh and waitress but (laughs) yes that's a whole other episode we could do about how truly horrifying the meat production industry is for the most part but that's off topic well that's way too that's way too scary honestly um all right. Well, uh, uh, on that note, <laughs> on that note, I got to get away from this picture. Yeah, I um, do too. <laughs> Before we uh, sign off officially, I want to give a shout out to our friend, Kevin Morris, who is going through a pretty, pretty rough time right now. Um, I just wanted to say that we love you. We're thinking of you. And you're not alone, buddy. So, you know, whatever you need, we are here to help in any capacity that we can. And you are part of this wonderful horror community. Um, and, and there's a lot of people out there who, who care about you. Kevin, right now, of course, we're thinking of you so much and you're in our hearts. Um, but just remember to, even though, even when things get tough and stressful, treat yourself with care. Don't be too hard on yourself. Um, I know that's so easy to say, you know, easier said than done, but um, you're loved and we are thinking of you here in Chicago and sending you all sorts of loving, of loving vibes. And the horror community, oddly, tends to be a rather gen- genuine and generous bunch, so... You are you have people around you, whether you feel like you do or not. You are loved. Yeah, absolutely. This this community is amazing. Um, I, I think that yeah, the horror community, the creepy community is uh, a, a whole lot of lovely people who really, really do care about people, unlike some other groups I could probably mention. Um, and yeah, Kevin, I know that you are going through a really, really rough time. Um, and so we we hope that you pull through this as quickly and as easily as possible. And we are thinking about you. And I hope that all the listeners are uh, sending you good vibes. Or if you know him personally, uh, go go talk to him and, and help him out if you can. Um, and I do have a quick correction. Mindy, What <gasps> Lies Beneath is not based on a book. Um, really? But it is written by uh, Sarah... Kernokin and also Clark Gregg. And if you know the name Clark Gregg, he is actually in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think he's a fan favorite character. Um, and uh, anyway, I just thought that was an interesting that he that he wrote he wrote What Lies Beneath. It's also directed by Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. Who, you know, has done a lot of interesting stuff. Anyway, that was my little correction. Thank you, because as soon as you said that, I thought I realized I was thinking of Bag of Bones, which I do believe is by Stephen King. But it involves water, so... Thank you for that correction, Spencer. Um, 
So yeah, this is, this is why you're here. <laughs> this is why we need you. This is the um, only reason for you to Google <laughs> shit. Spencerpedia at it again, doing his job. Like no one can. Wait, did that rhyme? Mm, it, no. uh, again, it, can, again, I don't know. Anyways. Hey, Kanye West has a line that's like, uh, turning down the window, too many Urkels on your team, that's why your win's low. And I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> if he can rhyme that, you just made a rhyme, Sharon. Thank you, Minnie. And I had no idea that you could quote Kanye West like that. I actually own that album. I love that album. It's the My Dark <laughs> Twisted Fantasy album. Uh, on that note, please write to us at whorestalkhor at gmail.com. You can write to us with any episode ideas, any recommendations on what to watch. If you've um, um, if you've seen the movie version of Wounds and have not read the book or the story, The Visible Filth, or even if you did, I'm genuinely curious to hear what other people thought of that movie. So please please let us know if you want to write us about that. Yeah. And if you um, also want to recommend any movies mm. for Halloween month um, that we can watch, because I'm going to try and do 31 days of horror this month um, or sorry, next month. Um, <laughs> or this yeah, month. I, I'm looking for, you know, any great movie or not so great. I mean, you know, I love a a, a shitty horror movie as well. <laughs> um, but anything you think I should watch, let me know. Uh, you can also send us your ghost stories, any true crime stories, creepy stories, whatever you would like us to share on our show. Please subscribe to us, rate and review us on whatever your streaming platform of choice happens to be. Um, it really does help our show get more exposure, which helps us to keep the show going, which we like to do. If you're able to, please join our Patreon and you'll be able to get early access to episodes, see exclusive posts, and maybe even get some cool shit via Carrier Pigeon. Well, no, okay, or USPS, whatever. Um but most importantly, aside from the fact that I'm full of bad jokes today, we want you guys to please, please be kind to each other and be well, stay safe. And as always, thanks, thanks for getting, getting creepy, creepy with us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, oh, my God.